0: Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TJF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favorite or not so favorite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined by the founder of KaiFX Horror Group, host of the Monstrosities Voice podcast, and special effects makeup artist, Kai. Welcome to the show. How are you going?
1: Hey, what's up? I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. I just realized you have your septum pierced, and I'll I do. just looking at the ring
1: (laughs) and a nose piercing too
0: oh I want my septum back so bad but Um, I have like a a badly shaped nose for it so
1: I have had my septum pierced twice within the past seven eight years so yeah it's now it's a part of my identity it's like yeah (laughs) without a septum is not Kai so (laughs)
0: Was like, uh, because I think I had my septum between I got done when I was like 18, mm-hmm. and I had to take it out at about maybe 24 or 25 because I got really sick and I had to get a whole bunch of like different scans and stuff done. Mm-hmm. And so I took it out and it just grew over. So yeah, the um, like, You know how <laughs> yeah, because you know how it's like they're pushing through like a big heavy chunk of meat, and that's mm-hmm. you know, like and they're like that. Like, you're making barbecue skewers. Like, that's how oh, it feels Oh me. And I just, um... <laughs> that's how it that's feels. think so. about piercings when I eat
1: barbecue. <laughs> uh,
0: no meat skewers for you, by the sounds of yeah, it. No. <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about what you do, because I know what you do. Mm-hmm. And I love what you do. But Thank tell you. the listeners what you do
1: all. Well, um, my name is Kai from KaiFX Horror Group. I'm the founder of KaiFX Horror Group, which is pretty much just a multimedia platform that helps to support inclusion um, in the horror genre. So I try my best um, or we try our best to highlight BIPOC queer disabled um, content creators in the horror genre and kind of give them a platform and a voice um, to, to, for support really, you know, like donations or just like getting them out there, because I feel like in, in the horror genre, those groups are so marginalized or throughout tropes and things of that nature. So it's time for us to rewrite our stories. It's time for us to rewrite our narratives. And so that's pretty much what KaiFX is all about. I'm also the host of Monstrosity's Voice, Horrors Untouched podcast, which is a horror um, podcast for Black horror, by Black horror. Um, I talk about a, a different array of horror movies, not just Black horror, but I try my best to just highlight the Black experience or the Black American experience through um, those films as well. And then on top of that, I'm a special effects makeup artist. So I get to go behind the scenes and make all the blood and guts and wounds. And I've been doing that since I was like 18, 19 years old. And that's been amazing. Um, I've been in the, the makeup cosmetic industry for a very long time. So being able to do that and seeing the behind the scenes of the monster movie magic is awesome, too. So I really have my hands in a lot of stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I love your Instagram when you... Because um, I'll go and share pictures that you've done with my partner and be like, oh you have to check this out. This is so cool. Okay. I love horror. I love horror makeup. It's um it's really oh, I don't know. There's just it's so different to your typical cosmetic or even like the uh like more high-end how they do like the fancy I don't know what it's called.
1: Yeah. With the the one thing about special effects makeup that I just love and appreciate is just the freedom there's no one way to make a zombie. There's no one way to make a werewolf. There's no one way to make even Frankenstein's monster or to make, you can to make anything your own. And so that's that creative freedom that I love so much about special effects makeup in comparison to like cosmetic makeup. Cause everybody wants yeah. to look like Kim Kardashian at this point, but whatever, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, and so it's, a spot, but... exactly. You know, it with special effects makeup. It's like, I can, make a zombie but it's my zombie that i made and it, it's yeah. original to me so and zombie makeup is my favorite makeup to do by the way but oh, really yeah. yeah i love it because it's there's no bounds no one's gonna tell me that's not a zombie i'm like yes it is you don't know because a zombie is not going to look like another zombie so you're gonna take it
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you know what happens to people when they're dying and decaying exactly no.
1: You know exactly? exactly no uh, do you know what the undead is like no you don't so shut up <laughs>
0: I get to decide that.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love I love special effects makeup. I um, I wish I was more like um, visually creative, so that I could. But it's I just write instead because that's, that's easy. That's
1: great. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I just rather write. I um, I'm actually meant to be starting to write for a new horror site that's coming out of another media outlet I'm still waiting to hear back from them and I was like look I don't write reviews but I do write features and critical analysis of things so if you want that Mm -hmm. that's a lot easier I can write a review but it's not going to be like a an interesting review I can't write that way
1: I I completely understand because when I was doing my article on Ari Asher um pretty much talking about the his two films and then the, the student film that he did, I was like, this isn't a review. This is me really just being concerned about Ari Aster's well-being after I watched Midsommar, after seeing A Strange Thing About the Johnsons and then seeing Hereditary, then seeing Midsommar. I'm literally sitting in the theater like, is this man okay? Like, is he is he good? So I took that and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a critical analysis of all these films and it's not a review. It's spoiler alert. So <laughs> I completely understand.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to be I wouldn't be able to discuss the film without completely spoiling it for people who haven't watched it.
1: Exactly. So I'm just like, look, y'all, um you're going to figure out what's going to happen because in order for me to, you know, accurately <laughs> express or explain what my narratives and or rhetoric is, I'm going to need you to plainly see either the scene or whatever setup that is being placed in the in the article. So, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah.
0: It's spoiler country. All the yeah, time. very much so. I just I can't <laughs> write without it. <laughs> so, um, the movie you chose today—I when you said to me, "Let's do the Blue Witch project," and I wrote back, "Are you trying to kill me?" Because I haven't watched this film since I was like 16. So,
1: really, I was four yeah. when it came out. I was four years old when it came out, 1999. I'm young, so
0: I was 10. I was 10. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was four. Years. I I don't even remember the first time I watched Blair Ridge Project. I was probably like in high school or middle school. I I was familiar with the meme or the they they didn't know they were memes at the time, but they were memes of the spoofs <laughs> of of um, of a Blair Ridge Project and and the snotty nose and the seed. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to feel. You know all that. So I have those moments every day though. I have those snotty nose oh, no. camera moments every day. <laughs> That's 2021 for oh, you.
0: God. That was 2020, really.
1: Oh, no. 2020 was more like the ending scene where she's just sitting there shrieking, looking at Josh, like, ah! ah! That was 2020. <laughs> 2021 is more like, you know what? I've accepted what's going okay, on. Yeah. And I'm just going to sit here and cry and talk to myself.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've already felt that this year, so... Yeah, 2021
1: has just been... Not to mention, we just got done dealing with this hell of a snor- snowstorm
0: in Texas. Like, what? Ugh. Oh, yeah. It's great. What a weird time.
1: I, I just, oh, right. Everything's just what? so strange.
0: <laughs> weird, weird times for everyone. I hear it's, um... It'll be like... Yeah. 80 degrees one day and then 50 the next. So we're just like, what are you what are you doing? What are we doing?
1: It's the same it's the same here. Like it was I remember watching my thermostat go from 72 degrees to 46 in the course of a couple of hours inside of my home. Yikes. So I was like and everyone, it's so funny on Twitter because I, I love Twitter. Everyone was talking about the day after tomorrow with Dennis Quaid. And everybody's like, I need Dennis Quaid to come <laughs> save me." All, yeah. like, all of Texas was like, where's Dennis Quaid? And I'm like, please. And then Jake Gyllenhaal of course, I'm like, please Jake Gyllenhaal, please. It's like, help us.
0: Help us. <laughs> but anyway, moving into the subject. <laughs> all right. So, a little bit about The Blair Witch Project. It is a 1999 American supernatural horror film written, directed and edited by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. It is based on the... I don't know how to say that word. True story of three (laughs) filmmakers, Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams and Joshua Leonard, who hike into the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to film a documentary about a local legend known as The Blair Witch. It had a budget of... About three hundred thousand, and at box office made two hundred forty eight point six million. This film is in the Guinness World Records for top budget box office ratio for a mainstream feature film. The film cost, um, uh, it says it costs like three hundred thousand to make, and made back two hundred forty eight million. So a ratio of one dollar spent for every ten thousand dollars made.
1: What? <laughs> That's a quick turnaround. I don't even think they knew that was going to (laughs) happen.
0: No, no, not at all. And the actors got like $1,000 a day for the eight days of filming, right? And I would have been so
1: pissed.
0: Mm -hmm. But I also read that they continued to pay them afterwards as well for like the profit. And then especially
1: I I did a little research dealing dealing with the stuff that they had to deal with a lot of the reactions that we got out of the film were like raw reactions like in the torment that they went through I'm like I need a little bit more money than
0: that okay oh yeah I want like a million bucks at least right I'm easy
1: <laughs> yeah just give me a cool meal cool meal ticket and and, I, and I'm good
0: I can buy a house with that it's fine
1: honestly so,
0: honestly just um, give me
1: let me 5,000.
0: <laughs> I'll be happy with that. I'm happy with that. All right. So at the start of the film, we see there are, what is it, like an opening tile slate? That's what they're called. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Do title card. Uh, I know nothing like about film.
0: Yeah. Title card. That's the first time I've said that on a podcast. Huh. <laughs>
1: Right? I, I usually um, use dead meat use title card. That's where I got that from. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the title card says, in October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. So um, the, the film starts out and we meet Heather and Josh, who are gathering up their equipment. We're at Heather's house. Um, Heather's really awkward, mm-hmm. but it's fine. Very much so. <laughs> she's a little weird. Very much so. Um, they're well, pushing up too their
1: stuff.
0: Yeah, they're all weird. Maybe it's just 1994 things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even just here weird. yet. I didn't come until a year later.
0: <laughs> I was definitely here, and it was weird, from what I remember. Um, so I love that Heather packs a book saying how to stay alive in the woods and another book that's a, um, that she talks about explaining the events at Coffin Rock, which we find out more about throughout the film. Um, mm-hmm. So the entire script is completely improvised. The actors were given 35 pages of treatment for the film. None of these pages including a script. What? Yeah. No script.
1: Uh, Well, okay. Well, that goes, that kind of goes into the whole, like, natural reaction thing, or, like, the fact that, like, the audience is experiencing everything in real time for the first time, well, of course, in 1999, with the actors. So, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes
0: sense. Um especially some of the things that we'll go through that they say in the film, I'm just like, Oh, that's improvised. And you said that like, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, So they head off to Burkittsville, Maryland, which is uh, formerly known as Blair, where they shoot their first scene in the town cemetery up up on the hill. Founded in 1824, Heather explains how an unusually high number of children are laid to rest there.
1: I forgot the guy's name. It started. It started with an R. The, ki- the um, killer. Uh, Rustin. Cause I Rustin. Any... Yeah.
0: Yes, because they do. They talk about how. Um... When they go down to the town, they're investigating and interviewing different people, and everyone's Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, don't go into the woods because there was a man there named Rustin Parr. He was a hermit, and he kidnapped seven children in the 40s and killed all of them in his basement, apparently.
1: Yes. I was doing some research on the actual website, which was really cool to see because it looks like the same from, it's the same website, right? So this thing is as old as I am. <laughs> and so, um, when I was doing a little bit on the mythology or just just the research, it was just really interesting to find the backstory of Rustin and how he um pretty much was chilling in the woods for about 20 years until not 20 years, but chilling in the woods for a while until he kept hearing um voices of which we know now to be the Brule Witch, but he kept hearing a woman's voice that was telling him to go out and get these kids and bring them back and, and, and to kill them. And I'm just like, that is correct
0: yeah yeah especially when you find out that he would do certain things like make the children stand in the corner so that they weren't watching in
1: the corner yeah oh man yeah no thanks (laughs) Um, of course how that plays out in the last scene but yeah
0: (laughs) yeah uh one woman that she's interviewing talks about how there's a woman that lives out Um, in one of the I think she lives in a trailer park by the name Mary Brown and she's this older lady she's not all together because you know she's old Um, and she claims to have seen the Blair Witch while near Tappy Creek uh, fishing with her father and basically they drive away laughing at her and saying oh she's a silly old woman she thinks she's a ballerina she thinks she's in the film industry I was like you leave that old lady alone
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Teenagers
1: I believe her I don't care I believe her. Everything she did, everything she said she did, she did.
0: Yeah. Agreed. She's Valerie. <laughs> yeah. I have no reason not to believe her. Um, exactly. So they're back at their hotel, they're getting drink they're getting drinking. They are drinking and getting ready for the next day. Um, and basically discussing that they're going to be going on this quite long hike throughout the woods. Now, I don't know if they were playing, they should have only been staying one night because they end up being there for a really long freaking time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, uh, no, nah, I just wouldn't go into the woods.
1: No. There's no I don't, need for me I don't to, want
0: to Yeah, no. Um,
1: I do. Okay. So being a horror fan, I do kind of want to do that whole camping thing, but, I'm also black, so we just don't do stuff like that. <laughs> we just don't do that. Like and then why would we like do that? I'm also a horror fan. It's just like, don't go into the woods. Do not go into the woods. <laughs> i have never don't go. <laughs> or even like <laughs> how we were talking about earlier, like Wolf Creek and the whole backpacking in, in Australia thing. Like, no. <laughs> or even how hostile. Well, that's based on- oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was going to say Wolf Creek was based on two different stories. So Ivan Malat, who was the backpacking serial killer, and um, John Bradley Murdoch, who mm-hmm. killed uh, Joanne Lee's husband. And there's still like, I think it's like 15 years since it happened, there's still scandal where everyone thinks that Joanne Lee's is actually the one who killed her husband. So it's,
1: it sounds about right. She about probably right. did. Whatever they said she did, she did it. She did. <laughs> <laughs> That's my theory on everything. If they, Whatever they said you did, you did it.
0: <laughs> but a guy's been put in prison for it so I'm just like, was he the scapegoat for this? Oh god, no I don't know. No I don't know <laughs> um, So the next day they're heading out and they run into two fishermen where they tell them about a girl named Robin who had wandered off into the woods and got lost and then reappeared three days later on her grandmother's porch uh, Apparently she was babbling on about some old woman whose feet never touched the ground Ugh.
1: very creepy
0: are you okay
1: (laughs) yes I'm trying to I was trying to move oh my god (laughs) This movie spooks me out so much. And that's the reason why I said I wanted to talk about it because I didn't get a chance to experience it in the theaters in 99. Obviously I was four years old. Um, and the first horror movie I can remember watching was Final Destination. And that wasn't until I was six. So I really just like would love to have been a fly on the wall in the theaters, watching this film for the first time in 1999. Like what? What?
0: People would have been losing their minds.
1: Dude, same with, like, again, uh, I, I love the 70s era. I think that's my favorite decade um, that I wish I was alive in. But um, it's like being a fly on the wall when people want to go see The Exorcist. It's the same. The cultural impact that the Blair um, Witch Project had regarding just being viral before viral was even viral, before we even knew what viral was before we even knew what an online campaign was, that's what the Blair Witch Project was. So I, I think it's just an amazing film yeah. for just um, being like a predecessor for films like paranormal activity and, you know, you know, whatever, all the other found footage films, but it definitely laid its mark for sure.
0: Yeah, and considering it wasn't the first film to do the found footage technique, it is probably the um, the landmark film to do it because of the whole Absolutely. people always questioning, is it real? Were they really out there? Um, and, like, we know that they were put under extenuating circumstances, like the director was feeding them less and less every day throughout the eight days. Every day, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, okay, so they'll put under some pretty crappy times and it feels genuine. Like the film does feel genuine. And that's the scary part.
1: Again, I, I think that goes into like us as the audience, or I can speak for the audience in 1999, watching this movie for the first time and experiencing whatever the actors are experiencing, for the first time, because that nothing was, you know, I guess I wouldn't necessarily say rehearsed, but they didn't know what was going on. It was just, they're just going with the flow and filming this movie. So that, I feel like that's what kind of created this whole like raw and authenticity of the film. And that's why people were like, yo, this movie's real.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I love that, um, they are, that they did interview people through the town, and then as they're walking through the start of the woods, that they're running into other people before they're completely cut off from the world, and that's when mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, exactly. well, shit's going to go down now because you haven't seen anyone for hours. <laughs> it's
1: just those three,
0: yeah. So them them speaking with the older fisherman is kind of very foreboding in itself because he says, you know, um, damn fool kids will never learn. And it's like, okay, well, this guy knows someone's up. He's bought in. Exactly. To the Blair Witch. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, so they continue on. Heather is incredibly arrogant and self-important throughout this entire film. And so she's like, yeah, I know where we're going. And I'm like, excuse me, do you just like go hiking and read maps all day every day for a living and that's why you know what you're doing? No, you're a filmmaker.
1: We find out later that she actually, in fact, does not know what she's doing, but we'll talk about the map scene <laughs> whenever it's time. That, I think besides the ending scene, the map the map scenes or that whole sequence is my favourite.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting to watch how much the dynamic does shift from this part of the film into that act of the film where everybody just hates each other. That, right? Everybody just screaming
1: <laughs> in the middle of the woods.
0: Oh, kind of that would be me. This? right I would have been screaming no, after five please. minutes. <laughs> and I grew up near the bush. So, like, living near trails and like hiking trails and stuff is nothing new to me, but I still wouldn't go in there. No, thanks. uh Ivan Malat has a nephew no. called Matthew Malat. And when I was about. 18 or 19 his nephew and a friend murdered a guy and buried him in a forest that's near my house so that's why I don't go into the woods yeah.
1: I wish I could see my face right now <laughs> oh my if it's not the kangaroos it's the spiders if it isn't the spiders it's the bush it's
0: the serial killers <laughs>
1: Yeah, the serial killers dumping bodies in the bush.
0: Yeah, um, so after hiking a few miles into the woods, uh, that they'd see that seems far larger than they expected. Um, they finally come across the creek where the Coffin Rock massacre occurred. So Heather gets up with her book. Mm-hmm. and She's reading the story, and I was like, "You're boring." Heather's really boring. Very political. Yeah. <laughs> I just, this, um, I read somewhere that she actually got nominated for Worst Actress. And I was like, I can see that in this part. I swear!
1: Yeah. Um, uh, I saw somewhere movie movie that she like, was in a lot of like, steak and shake commercials after Blair Witch. And I was like, steak and shake? Ew.
0: Actually, steak and shake Ew. has <laughs> great shakes, but they're food no steak thanks
1: <laughs> yeah no not steak and shake that's not dietary anyways
0: <laughs> should not be at all yeah um, no uh it's not rain, so they decide that they're going to set up camp for the night and they're in quite high spirits because like it's our first night we're only here for one night and then we're out of here uh, mike spends the entire night fighting in the tent what <laughs> <Boy, it's gross.
1: laughs> Very much so 1999, very much so, yeah. sounds jokes are funny.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, at the time. Um,
0: the next morning Joshua claims that he heard strange noises during the night and one of them he swore was someone laughing. And we don't see what happens mm-hmm. during that night. While um, they're sleeping, because I guess nothing really ominous or scary happens that night in the forest. So um, they check their map and they continue pressing on through the woods in search of an old graveyard. Josh and Mike are a little bit concerned about the accuracy of Heather's map. Don't think it's the map, think it's her map reading, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, she's overconfident. <laughs>
1: there is, and I didn't want to get into this until later on in the show, but there's a YouTube channel called The Film Theorist. And they talk about um, how there was, they talk about how there was no Blair Witch. And Josh and Mike made it up just to kill Heather and how that map scene specifically was like the giveaway for that. And I can't look at the map scene the same anymore. Because one, mm. you lied. Both of you lied. And then later on, after everybody's ha-ha-ha, having a good time, it's like, oh, yeah, I kicked it. I'm just like, yeah, y'all are lying, so something's up. Something. I don't necessarily want to say that they lured her into the woods and created this entire, like, debacle story to kill her, but something was definitely up during that time.
0: Yeah. more well, like, an, they used that as an opportunity to – do their killing or whatever yeah. they decided they were gonna do yeah um so because uh, they got lost the day before and they were like oh my god this map mm-hmm. is wrong <laughs> so they have a bit of a disagreement with how heather is handling the map reading and at this point she is quite sure that she is knows where she's heading um so back into the movie i Ooh. love they're when they're joking around and they're like doing all funny little filming bits and josh is filming he's like is that the blair witch no it's just heather taking a piss and I was like, oh, God.
1: <laughs> it's obvious that they were making a lot of jokes about her and she's like dead serious and they're like it's kind of like a of like little brother big sister it's like stop joking yeah. around and it's like yeah no
0: why are you so mean to me right and that was me as a kid. Even though I was the eldest, I was I was the one that got picked on because I took always took the bait. Same. Yeah, I'm the sucks, oldest, doesn't it? and uh, yeah. yeah, you know, you know what, you know what, younger siblings are like.
1: Yeah, and I only have one, but he's enough.
0: <laughs> oh, I have five younger siblings.
1: What I have one younger sibling who's 19, and then I have my brother dog, um, who's Kingston, who
0: Your is brother dog. Know
1: yeah because my mother makes us address him as our brother and one day i was oh. in class and she texts me and she's like you're an auntie and i'm like oh god like i almost went into a cardiac arrest and she sends me this picture of all these puppies and i'm like don't you ever scare me like that again <laughs> that's, a hell of a day.
0: that's so funny we do i um i sent a meme to my siblings last night and it was like um grandparents asking you why you haven't had kids yet and then it's like a person showing a like their animal and I was like this is me it's like presenting my dog <laughs> thank you oh yes <laughs> although yes. my family don't harass me I'm that about cat mom kids. yeah I don't my Absolutely. family have never asked me like when are you having kids nobody asks it's I was like Mine is someone gonna ask me so I can tell them no the oh really my family's like eh, yeah my, there's my enough mom, kids my my
1: family I'm like, nah, you're going to have to wait a while.
0: There's already five great-grandchildren in my family, so we're fine. Like, my grandma has five great-grandchildren. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, uh So Heather remains quite confident that they're on the right trail and will reach the graveyard within an hour and a half. It soon becomes clear that they are in fact lost and tensions begin to mount, both men resenting that Heather continues to film while they're lost. And I love that Mike's like, this isn't a documentary about us getting lost. (laughs) I was like, that's how I'd be. It is now. (laughs) Um, In fact, you've
1: been punked. (laughs)
0: They press on, braving the incredibly hard river to cross, <laughs> which is in fact just a creek. Um, but this creek does become significant <laughs> later on in the film. Um, mm-hmm. They soon come up, they soon come across a clearing where they find strange piles of rocks neatly stacked on the ground. Heather recalls something that Mary Brown had said about a pile of rocks in the Bible but can't remember exactly what it is and altogether there's like seven piles of these stones which I didn't really see as anything weird
1: I when I saw it a few times after I was like seven stones seven children that were murdered maybe I'm reaching maybe I'm not I don't think so that's what I thought of. I I was like okay seven and seven maybe there's a correlation there not sure
0: Actually, I think you might be right.
1: Again, I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. I always do that. I'm like, "Oh, this means this," and it's like, "Nah, it's not. It's it's not that. It's just what it is." So <laughs> <laughs> I you try, try like to keep
0: my. Myself, you know? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um. So that night, they build a fire and cook some food. They don't seem to be so tense with one another because they're like, okay, well, we're going to finally eat. We're going to get some sleep. So during that night, Heather takes them all back to the clearing to film some rocks. And one of them knocks one of the piles of rocks over. And Heather gets really pissed off about that, which was weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know why. Again,
1: we're dealing with someone who is very serious. and In Heather's mind, she's Steven Spielberg. Oh, so <laughs> you you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm serious about my craft. I'm serious. and you guys are goofing around. And granted, like the, the equipment back in the '90s was heavy. It's not like they're just filming from whatever they got. So I can I can understand her her frustration in a sense, but also you also have to think that she thinks that she is the you know Jerry Bruckheimer, Steven Spielberg of her. <laughs> she's a film student, so of course she's gonna have like this level of seriousness against her so i kind of empathize a little bit so
0: i really like how serious she is because when i was 22 23 i was definitely that serious about everything
1: when i was 22 23 which was only a couple of years ago um <laughs> uh, have i ever been serious <laughs> <laughs>
0: have I ever- took me till about 24 to get over it and i was just like well why am i so serious
1: uh, I don't think I, yeah, no, no. Hopefully it might hit <laughs> no. me later on when I'm like 30 in my thirties and forties. But now it's like, no, I'm <laughs> not.
0: No. It's a good way to be. I just stay that way. Just don't change yeah. it. Um, And I love when they're filming these rocks. Josh is like, it's the same thing. Only darker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's like, well, him and Mike, of course, are, are really the comedic relief.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm so grateful for them in this film. because It would have been a
1: very blah film if it was just Heather.
0: Oh, God, please no.
1: (laughs) Someone Um, remade Blair Witch Project and just have Heather in it. (laughs) With the same characteristics as the original and not like the remakes. I would love to see that.
0: (laughs) Just a Heather film. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, That night they hear noises going on around the tent, and so they get out to film. And what I really love is that you don't see anything except – like little flashes of where light might be appearing somewhere and reflecting off the camera mm-hmm. or whatever, and I this these scenes are what really creeped me out because all you can hear is like footsteps, and um, I think this is where they had oh no it's further on the trees. Like the oh mountains. yeah, with the yeah that's the next night. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's just really creeping really creeping really creepy because of like the no no visual just audio and that's enough for me to turn the mm-hmm. movie off
1: um <laughs> they play that a lot in this in this movie just what you don't see but yeah. what you hear it, it, yeah. a lot in this film and it's very much so like that unsettling feeling and then again like there's nothing significant that happens in this movie it's just like it is what it is these three filmmakers get lost and then at the end it's just the ending of course and it's just like no like boom climax or boom it's just what it is and that is what's so like just unsettling about this movie it's what you don't see but what you hear and also just like you're just left and that's what makes it you know real to the audience so
0: yeah, it is very much so just based on, and, and throughout the whole film, it's just audio, like what you do here. Yeah, that's creepy. hmm Ugh. And um, the next morning, it's raining. Heather's
1: screams are a mess. Pardon? He- Heather's screams are terrifying, like curdling. Her screams yeah. are just, oh.
0: <sighs> yeah. They sound genuine. That worries me for the actress.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's why yeah. she was in Steak and Shake
0: commercials.
1: She's like, I ain't doing no more horror movies.
0: <laughs> I need to do wholesome things steak only. only.
1: Steak and Shake only.
0: Um, so Josh the next morning is like, don't worry about it. It's just the local rednecks messing with us. Mm-hmm. Um." And Mike agrees, worrying that if someone was prepared to come this far out into the woods just to spook them, they must be seriously disturbed, which, Mm -hmm. yes, agree. Who would do that? Uh, The relationship between the three of them are also starting to be a little bit strange because Heather says things while she's filming like, nobody is really speaking to me at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I reckon it's just because it's raining, they haven't slept, they're hungry, and Heather has gotten them lost. So, Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I think I also read or found out in her diary um, how the dynamic between Josh, Mike, and um, Heather were playing as well. If you go online and you actually read her diary, which I think is brilliant, especially for 1999, um, you can kind of tell that dynamic was kind of thinning out as well um, in her diary entries. So definitely, that is amazing.
0: Yeah, you can definitely see it in this film because of just their interactions and um, the things that Heather is saying. And she's becoming less confident in herself as well with things that she's saying. And um, she's not as adamant about which way they're going. And you can, yeah, you can see her belief in herself completely start to dissipate from this really incredibly arrogant 21 year old (laughs) to Mm -hmm. like a shell of a person by the end of the film. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So Heather suggests that they just camp for the night because it's raining. They're going to go look for the car tomorrow. Uh, Heather says, you know, the car's not that far away. It's only, you know, up the other side of this hill. We've been, we're going south. We're going south. (laughs) Uh, They are super Mm -hmm. annoyed and they're quite frustrated. And (laughs) Heather just, like, I would be too. I'd be so pissed. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But Heather just keeps repeating Um, over and over again the car's not that far away it's not that far away the car's not that far away and for Mm -hmm. someone like me I have anxiety and so when I repeat something to myself it's like a ritual like telling me telling myself it's okay it's okay it's okay so you can see that like Heather's anxiety is increasing now as well so I definitely felt for her in that moment Mm -hmm. um so that might just uh, like
1: that screaming match we had with them
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, that's coming up. This, um, yeah, where yeah. It, it's just it's so intense. Um, this is the night that when they're asleep, they hear the sound of trees. Like I don't, I couldn't, I can't describe this. It sounds like the trees are like snapping in half, like they're being logged or mm-hmm. something. And I just was like, "Well, that or not I guess layout. being
1: assembled, assembled." Oh well, yeah, like being assembled into whatever figurine i don't want to call it figurine (laughs) 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 little little symbol that that is that's what it sounded like it was like hmm. the process of that okay snap snap tie the gift
0: roll it around so um it is really loud though and it's like i love that it's coming from all around them because heather's just like oh Mm -hmm. josh is trying to say it's a deer don't worry about it and heather's like oh this is not a deer I was like, yes, Heather, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Deers cannot make figurines out of trees. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The next morning they find three piles of rocks mysteriously outside of their tent, which goes back to what you were saying about how the Mm -hmm. seven piles of rocks is seven children. There's three of them. There's three piles of rocks. It makes sense.
1: Symbolism. Symbolism. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The rocks look really weird as well. Like um the way that they're created. It,
1: is this the part where they find the teeth or is that closer towards the end? Where there's like, like it looks like there's human teeth.
0: Okay, cool. yeah okay. I was getting confused. Yeah.
1: I, was like, I know there's like teeth <laughs> It's like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that uh mm, my mouth. Um So tensions are incredibly high at this point. And to make things worse, the map has disappeared. Um, So the map before Heather...
1: Disappeared, quote, unquote.
0: Yeah, which uh, the scene just escalates so quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. So Heather's basically accusing either one of them of doing something with the map. And they're obviously both denying it. And um, they're completely lost and there's no way they're going to be finding their way back to the car anytime soon. So Josh implies that Heather has deliberately lost Mm -hmm. or hidden it to keep them in the woods to make her movie. So Josh throws around some pretty heavy accusations and um, we can kind of see that because Heather has continued to film in really, like, mm, I don't know the word, Scenes that you wouldn't want to film somebody in, like in, like feeling vulnerable or feeling aggressive mm-hmm. or upset, and she is just more uncomfortable. To it. Just more so
1: uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, uncomfortable moments.
0: Yeah, and Heather's just kind of gone oh, morals and Pardon. Okay.
1: Again, that goes into that, like, film student. Like, I have to get the shot. Like, I don't care if I'm, like, degrading people in the process kind of thing. You know, like, when you have that, like, tenacious, like, fresh student that doesn't care. And then in something like film, it's like, ah, I don't care. Art is art, you know. So, yeah, that's where I feel like that's where that's coming from.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Heather's definitely one of those ambitious and very um, forthcoming people where she just doesn't give a shit.
1: Doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> she
0: does not care. <laughs> um, and this is where Josh is starting to fray a little bit because he's saying things like, oh, don't worry, someone will start looking for us soon if we don't make it back. And I love that one of the things they repeat is, this is America, you can't just go missing and nobody go looking for you. I was like, excuse me, I live in Australia and I know for a fact that that happens in America and nobody cares.
1: Yep. All the what time. do you mean? <laughs> Especially, what was that, 99? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> they no didn't have half the technology coaster, that we have now. Mm. Or, well, at Walmart, it used to spook me out because they would have all of the missing people poster or pictures on one poster when you walk into Walmart, mm. uh, which is a grocery store out here. And um, yeah, it was really scary because those people were actually missing. It's not a movie, it's real life. Like, Mm-mm. very much the real life.
0: It's a bit so you Yeah. Ugh. Ah, I just cut my lip on my can.
1: Um- <laughs> oh, no. Is that your second oh, can of got- Red Bull? Yeah. I've am oh, had dude, really bad sleep.
0: I've had really bad sleep this week. My cat wakes me up at 2 a.m. for breakfast, and I'm just like, I'm going to Oh, them.
1: my gosh, mine. When <laughs> I first away. got my cat, she would wake me up at 4 a.m. And I'm like, this is not the house that you do that in. We don't get up until at least, like, 7 or 8. So you have a couple more hours. Go back to sleep.
0: <laughs> well, see, I'm up at 5 to go to work, and that's fine. Like, Ooh. I can um, – I'm trying to get her to start just being okay with a 5 a.m. wake-up, and she's just not taking to it at all. Mm-hmm. Not one bit. She's not She's <laughs> She'll adjust, though. Uh, she's going to have adjust. to. She's got no choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh this is the part where Mike is definitely f- crumbling and he is not rational. Mm-hmm. Um he's got a really high um like uh his temper's really not I don't know like what he's just aggressive. That's like his response to things just made me feel very yikes. I was like, "Well, mm-hmm. that's not okay." Um, yeah, but they come. They come to a river, which they realize that um, they were there the day before. <laughs> they came right back to the spot that they started. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just like, oh my god, no! So Heather walks through. At that point, way. I
1: would have just lost it.
0: Oh yeah, just. Phew. I just would have gone to sleep. Leave me there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like you know what, I don't have time to deal with this right now. I'm just gonna go to bed.
0: I'm just gonna nap. I'm fine. Yeah. Um Heather is angry that the men are laughing at her when her shoes become saturated and at this point is incredible and this point is incredibly intense because Mike tells them that he's the one that kicked the map into the creek because he thought it was useless.
1: After lying about where the where the whereabouts of the map was for the longest, that's what gets me. Like you lied, you and um Josh lied. Like, and then all of a sudden, ha ha ha! I kicked it. What? What do you mean?
0: You think this is funny? You think this is some kind of fucking joke?
1: No. And then, and then, even, 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 Heather was like, y'all were just having too much fun. Like, y'all were just. In a moment, it's like situational humor is a thing, but it's like, no, not in a moment like that. Like, it's way too much.
0: You're having too much fun. No. That's not okay. Yeah. Uh, Mike and Josh nearly end up physically fighting with one another, and Heather becomes absolutely hysterical Mm -hmm. while hurling abuse at Mike for throwing away the map. And this is where you can see the complete breakdown of their relationship.
1: Complete breakdown of their relationship. Mm hmm.
0: And they're basically arguing about the smallest things at this point, like the compass, like who gets to hold the compass.
1: (laughs) It's like man versus wild before man versus wild was a thing. (laughs) That's exactly what the Blair Witch during that. Like that, I feel like that part was kind of drawn out. But again, like I said, it's like watching a human reaction to what it will be like being in the woods, losing a map, being with two other people, being hungry and sleepy and, you know, sleep deprived and tired, carrying that heavy. Again, the equipment was so heavy. I know it was. <laughs> so it's like, that is a very human reaction. And then, like, wasn't it true that the actors, the actual actors were not getting the adequate amount of sleep? Like they would wake them up earlier and earlier as the shooting would go on. So it's like, this is real. This is raw. So it's like, no.
0: These people are pissed. Yeah. Um, so they head south, and eventually, Mike and Josh just refuse to go any further. Mike finds mm-hmm. a nearby clearing um, where they. This is where they find those stick figures and symbols hanging from the trees. So some are stick people, and some are the symbols of the witch. And the, Heather the witch, just, yeah yeah Heather straight up straight up says I don't know what any of this means. So. Um, these symbols are recurring throughout the film and the marketing materials for the movie. So Eddie Kedward and co-director yeah. Sanchez told uh, a movie outlet that the symbols act as a portal. So meaning that once the students see these stick figures hung around their tents, they're not escaping the witch or the forest alive. So it was meant to be like this foreboding symbol like okay. you're dead. That's it. You're gone.
1: I also read that when when they were roaming around during the time of, of the map sequence that they were in a different, like, they went into a different, like, time warps, or they were, like, it was, it's very, I don't know where I saw that, but yeah, they were, like, in a different, like, time warps of, like, of the witch, and it's, like, they couldn't escape that. So I guess kind of similar to what you're saying regarding, like, the, the figurines or or the symbols and how it's, like, no matter what you do since you've seen this thing, it's, like, you're dead. <laughs>
0: And it is like that portal for them. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to look that up.
1: You know what? I I can send it to you. I I knew it was on some video I watched, but I'll just send it to you.
0: Yeah. I'd love to see it. Um, So Mike is incredibly aggressive now and yells constantly at Heather to turn off the camera. Mm -hmm. He's yelling for help. Heather's telling him this is not the way we're going to get out of here. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. you don't really have many options at this stage, do you? Yell for help! No. So they're setting up a camp again. So this is what the third night. Third day.
1: I think it's the third. Well, the third night. Third third day. Third night.
0: Yeah, and they decide they're not going to light a fire because they don't want anything to. They don't want to draw attention to themselves.
1: Attention. But
0: that doesn't help because they're still woken up, including the sounds of a baby screaming, which I was Mm -hmm. like, oh
1: nope sign me up sign me out actually not sign me up sign me out no do not sign me out get me out
0: now um uh, i read somewhere that the actors had no idea that this was going to happen and the directors actually shook their tent yes so their reaction is real
1: (laughs) it's raw yeah i think from this point on in the film it's Very much like, hey, I don't know what's going on. I'm just here doing this movie, (laughs) WTH.
0: I guess I'm here. Right? So they're all basically, they're once again in this darkness and we're hearing um, just different sounds going on and Heather filming as she follows either Josh or Mike through the forest and they're getting the fuck away from their campsite. Um, And they're basically just sitting- in complete darkness and all we can hear is their conversation as they spend the night like huddled in the woods somewhere. They have no idea where they are. Mm-hmm. Ugh. No thanks. I just, this, the being in the dark, because um, I have astigmatism and so I, if I take my glasses off and it's just poorly lit, <laughs> If it's just poorly lit in anywhere, like I just can't see properly. So dark just is even darker for me.
1: I actually am afraid of the dark being the biggest horror fan that I am. It's not that there's something in the dark that's going to get me. It's just not knowing, in fact, what is in the dark. Yeah. It's the, the unknown that frightens me. And ever since I was a kid, I've been afraid, afraid of the dark.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't blame you. Very I... The dark doesn't bother me, but dark, like dark darkness does.
1: Yeah. Like, like uh, like about the depth of the ocean, like that kind of dark. Like,
0: (laughs) yes, that. Yes, no thank no. Oh, um, they go back to the tent once daybreak comes along, and Josh finds that all of his belongings have basically been thrown all over the campsite. Thrown around. They're covered covered in a slimy substance, which I was like ectoplasm straight away. (laughs) 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 The Ghostbuster in me. Right. Damn, uh, damn. <laughs> so there's like a whole bunch of wooden stick figures um, scattered on their campsite as well. And mm-hmm. Mike is basically yelling at Heather. Are you not scared enough? Like, let's get the fuck out of here. Um, but
1: of course being serious, Heather, she's like, no,
0: we'll get out of here, but I'm going to keep filming you in one of the most mm-hmm. terrifying moments of your life right now. Um. So Mike snaps and attacks Heather because he is just sick of her filming everything and um, Josh also starts to become a little bit unhinged. So we haven't really watched Josh um, really be impacted beyond like just a general frustration for being lost. But at this yeah. point he's quite depressed, he's dark, and he goes off and he's like basically disassociating by himself off on a little log somewhere hanging out uh, which hmm. is probably what I would have done. So <laughs> And this is where Mike he and empathize kind of- with Josh. I definitely do. I definitely do. This is where Heather and Mike kind of um, form an alliance because Mike is trying to get Heather to uh, empathize for Josh's feelings right now because she's kinda of like, Why would he do that? Why is why would he just stop? And Mike's like, nah, he's having a hard time, like give him some space. And I kind of like that about this part, that Mike is, it feels like almost a redemption part of Mike's character arc. Yeah. If there is one.
1: (laughs) I wish that we would have, we get a lot of character to, well, okay, we get what we get with Heather, right? Like we get, her characteristics right but we don't get a lot for for mike and josh and i wish that we would have just gone a little bit further especially again like you said like josh because we don't really know he's kind of just there you know what i mean and it's yeah. like you don't get that kind of character development with him and and again uh, with the basis of the film being like this is a found footage film this is like human this is like what it is and you're kind of seeing the humanity unfold as they are in the, the woods longer and longer whatever you you can see that but it's just like dang if I would have known a little bit more about Josh just to grasp that empathy with him it would have been cool
0: yeah absolutely it would have been nice to have that with all of them some kind of character arc like we get something with Heather with Mike we get that little bit of redeeming quality where he's trying to help Heather and then with yeah like you said with Josh it's just like uh he just disappears that's it He gets a bit moody and then gone. That's
1: pretty much it. Yeah. (laughs) And and leaves, yeah.
0: And so they continue through the woods. They come across a river, which, again, is the river that they crossed the two days before that in a row. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you can really see their mental instability starting to really come to fruition in this point. And they're all stressed. They're panicked. Um, Mike rushes away angrily, ranting and venting, and Heather just collapses in tears. And this is where we start to see Heather
1: mm-hmm.
0: not the same confident and arrogant person she was at the start of the film.
1: It's when it starts to deteriorate and say, oh, am I really here? Why? Why am I doing this? Why?
0: <laughs> Why did I choose to do this? Exactly um josh's josh's anger and frustration finally boils over and turning the camera on heather taunts her about her ambition and obsession that has led to them being lost cold and hungry mike tries to you know calm josh down but he continues to torment heather until she just breaks down in tears so he he is he says some really horrible things to her um He says things like, there's no one here to help you. She left you little trinkets. You fucking took one of them. She ran after us. There's no one here to help you. We walked for 15 hours today. We ended up in the same place. There's no one here to help you. That's your motivation. So he's kind of, he's coaching her in this filming situation because she's on camera now, not him. And he's just really not okay.
1: I think that I read somewhere that, um, Heather was actually years prior to her obsession, or where she was in that moment, that she felt like she was drawn to the Blair Witch, and that it was kind of like that whole situation with R- Rustin. Rustin, that's name. Yeah, kind of like the same situation where he kept like kind of being drawn spiritually to the Blair Witch for whatever reason. And and it's interesting that you say that, like you know. Um, he was saying that there was an obsession with her it's just like yeah because she she's i don't know what type of connection they have but they have some type of connection to where it's like you are doing all this research and it's it's pretty much at this point it's blatantly obvious that she's obsessed with the blair witch
0: yeah definitely it's scary
1: yeah, very much so. Because you never know. I mean, Josh and, and Mike are just like, hey, I'm just here to help. But it's just like you don't know the actual intention of the person who's kind of in charge, quote unquote. So.
0: Yeah. Heather's, um, Heather's uh, like, pig headedness has really started to deflate at this point.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Um, so basically, Josh is a complete asshole at this point. Um, he started very positive and supportive and Mm -hmm. as a, you know, contributing member of this group. And now you can just see how much this whole being lost in the woods has really impacted him just through his interactions with Heather and Mike, not necessarily anything we see him physically do, but the way we hear him verbally interact with the people that he's with is very concerning Mm -hmm. Um, and a telltale sign of his mental health at this point. Absolutely. Um. Nighttime rolls around again and they're pretty much sleeping in the same spot that they did the night before after they've walked in circles all day. And the night before. (laughs) And the night before. (laughs) Um, I like this scene because they're kind of trying to be more positive and they're talking about, like, food that they miss. And Mike says, you know, who wants a cheeseburger? Again, very
1: 1994.
0: (laughs) I would have totally been in that conversation talking about cheeseburgers. I'd be like, "I want pizza. I want a taco. Right? Oh. Pretzels. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one." Nothing happens that night. Thank God. That felt that felt mm-hmm. like a false sense of security. <laughs> like, oh, maybe everything will be okay. Yeah. Uh, but when they wake up the next morning, they find that Josh has vanished. So they search the entire area around the campsite, but there's no sign of him. Mike believes that Josh has simply just gone off for some time alone. But even after they've packed up and broken down the tent, there's no sign of him. Heather's screaming into the woods. And I love that she's like, we can't even find the fucking car. How are we meant to find Josh?
1: <laughs> that This is when the realism starts to smack her upside the head. Like, oh, now you want to be a realist. Like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, now you want to accept what's happening? Okay, all right.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Uh, We don't really see what happens during this day because it's just, like, Heather and Mike hanging out and I think there's, like, a little bit of a montage of that and whatever they're doing. Uh, Nighttime rolls around Mm -hmm. and they wake up to strange noises in the woods, including what seems to be the sound of Josh screaming. So they stumble around in the dark. Screaming. Yeah.
1: Sorry, this is the part that just chills at my spine because it's so scary. Oh, yeah.
0: oh no, I know what you mean. It's, um, to hear someone in pain like that, that is, that makes me feel sick.
1: Yeah. And I mean like sick, you know what's going to happen, so it's like ah!
0: <laughs> You know he's going to die. Yeah. Um... So they go around looking for him. There's no sign and it's impossible basically to tell where he's coming from anyway. The next morning Heather finds mm-hmm. a strange bundle of sticks held together with twine on the ground outside the tent. She um, basically picks it up and throws it away and they're just hanging out at the side yeah. because they're just too exhausted to move on. But she finds another bundle of sticks. But this time <laughs> she opens it and with finds the teeth. The teeth.
1: <laughs> oh. with the teeth oh god that's why I was just like what the fuck is going on
0: yeah this is the part where I was absolutely terrified at about 15 or 16 like who the teeth
1: are no 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 that was actually I think that was one of the um, set designers or one of the designers the nephews No, no 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 they got the teeth they were actual real human teeth um from a dentist but the 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 handprints were the handprints of one of the set designers nephews but that was real human teeth that's not okay oh my god that's
0: terrifying yuck that's not okay (laughs) that's not okay (laughs) um so she basically freaks out which of course you would Tells mm-hmm. Mike nothing's wrong, don't worry about it. So it doesn't tell Mike about the bundle of teeth and hair and sticks and a cotton T-shirt that she finds. Um, mm-hmm. oh, and washes her hands and they go off on another hike around the woods. So they basically have no direction of where they're going and their mental state has been so deteriorated uh, that Mike actually begins to eat dry leaves because he's so hungry.
1: Mm-hmm. Ew. I do that too. Just close my eyes uh, and yeah, pretend I mean, it was a sandwich.
0: Nice crunchy lettuce sandwich.
1: <laughs> well, <from laughs> we were talking earlier, Vegemite, <laughs> veg- toast, uh, buttered, but...
0: and melted Vegemite. That's just what I need right now.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, they're camping again that night. Because um, mm-hmm. I think they've just given in to the fact that they're just never getting out of there at this point. They're just like, oh, fuck it, we're stuck here. Don't worry about it.
1: Basically.
0: Yeah, they're, uh, who cares? Resigned to the fact that they're there forever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's scary!
0: But you can see it, Um, especially because this is, you know, the iconic scene of Heather speaking to the camera and we have her snotty nose and crying face and, um, you know, anyone who knows anything about the Blair Witch knows this image, knows this monologue. And um, I really like that she takes accountability for everything she's done to Josh and Mike and apologises to their families and, Mm -hmm. you know, says, it's my fault, Mm -hmm. Um, I told them to keep going, like, it's my project. Um, It's because of me that we're here. And the nose drippings. Yeah. Is it in one of the scary movies where they do this and it's just like a flood of snot? And it keeps running. I think, I think,
1: was that Scary Movie 3? Was it Scare oh, Movie 3? Oh, man. I know it's one of them, but it's, like, w- continuously running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone should have, like, like a Kleenex commercial at that time should have totally, like, bit off of that film <gasps> and, like, been, like, oh, Puffs. here's Puffs Plus with lotion running nose, with horror movie. Like, that. oh, man, totally could have did, like, a collaboration with that film, you know?
0: <laughs> they really missed out, didn't they?
1: Definitely. Why am I not in marketing?
0: (laughs) You can, you can, we'll take you. It's fine. Come to the dark side. (laughs) Literally. Literally the dark side. Uh, Yeah, this is really sad because we've spent an incredibly long time with Heather's character at this point. And we've watched her be so Mm -hmm. incredibly headstrong and confident and, um, just very assertive and self-important throughout this whole film. And this is just that 180 turnaround and complete breakdown of the belief in herself.
1: Yep. It's sad. It's been No sad. more Steven Spielberg.
0: What is she now? I don't know any mediocre filmmakers. Actually, that's <sighs> oh, a lie. Um... I know <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Um, no, she's no,
1: getting no, very... Ah, no. m- oh, damn, that's problematic for me to say in my Shyamala, because in Night Shyamala is on a spectrum. But I'm like, yeah. he's not mediocre. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do not believe I just said that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Whoever made Slither?
0: <laughs> oh, I've I haven't even seen that film. So,
1: oh God, don't go, don't. don't. I don't take that or advice. or um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna stop putting my foot in my mouth at this point. <laughs> Just know that she's not Steven Spielberg anymore, and she's a regular ass film student at this point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh They hear Josh's voice again that night, and this time it's a lot closer to them, and he's pleading mm-hmm. for somebody to help him. So they leave the tent and go help him, and we'll yeah. try to help him. So uh, they're following his voice and they find an abandoned house inside of another clearing and they go inside. Inside the house are all the same symbols that they've seen, um, like crafted out of the sticks around their tent in other parts of the forest. And um, there's also children's handprints. Yuck. Kids in Mm -hmm. horror movies. And
1: that's where the the nephews come in. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Josh's voice is coming from somewhere inside of the house. Somewhere, mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's projecting all around the house to yeah. trick Mike and Heather. So Mike goes upstairs to find Josh, but then realizes the voice is actually coming from the down, basement. So he, yeah, down, he runs back down <laughs> and um, all of a sudden Mike is completely silent. And I think he was carrying his own camera because that camera falls. And then we're back at Heather, who and Heather's screaming hysterically for Mike at this point.
1: I literally that that scream is ringing in my ears right now. It's blood curdling. Like it's so just. ah, ah, Oh God, it's just a lot. That one, that's a scream queen. She's a scream scream queen for sure. I feel like she's an underrated queen because that scream is is blood curdling.
0: Yeah, it is actually terrifying listening. I was watching the ending scene um, just before we jumped on the call, and I was thinking to myself, "This is so intense." Even though yeah. the ending scene only lasts like five minutes, if that. Yeah. Um, so Heather follows Mike down into the basement, and he's standing in the corner with his face against the wall, just like the children. Uh, just like the kids. So suddenly ca- Heather's camera is knocked out of her hand and she goes completely silent too. So her, her breathing's gone, Her she's not screaming, not making a single sound, um, and the camera that is on the ground runs for a few seconds and then the battery dies.
1: Literally a few seconds.
0: Yeah. I was waiting for something to happen in those few seconds while the camera was on the ground and yep. nothing did, and I was like, I don't know what's worse.
1: I love endings like that though. I do and it's the realist it's the realism for me it's the the, this could actually happen this actually did happen in the case of this film with it being found footage and that you go home this is what you paid for go home you paid to see a found footage it's like the end of Paranormal Activity oh no the end of Paranormal Activity of course has that ending scene that's more of the theatrical part but if they didn't have the scene where the wife had had come back and they just left it to what was the name mika 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 i think was his name
0: it's been a while since i've seen it
1: i think his name the the, the husband or the the guy had just like disappeared (laughs) like all right cool go home (laughs) nothing else this is a found footage film it's not cinema magic you know what i mean so yeah
0: but i feel like fan footage does that exceptionally well where it's just like, that's it. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing else to show you because this is literally where the fan footage ends. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? Exactly. I love it.
1: it. I love that's the Blair Witch Project. This movie for its time, I wish I got an opportunity to experience it during that time. It was again, monumental, um, very much so viral before a viral was even, before even what viral was. Um, and, one of the first yeah. online marketing campaigns for a film. Um, it is definitely, you can see that within the found footage subgenre of, of horror. And so it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. I've really gotten into found footage lately. So mm-hmm. last week I watched The Den and it was great. I, okay. Have you seen it?
1: I have not, but I've heard of it.
0: Yeah. It's really good. I rented it on YouTube for a whole 3 $3. and i really liked it that's awesome i just um i haven't gained the courage to watch um hell house llc yet so really
1: i um was going i went backwards and i was revisiting um cannibal holocaust not the actual movie but commentary because i'm chicken um (laughs) Definitely chicken, but and then thinking about like Green Inferno, um, Eli Roth's Green Inferno, and thinking about those movies and thinking about the films that came before, it's just like, or is it is what's that movie? Oh, starts with a D. Um, oh, is it? Oh, it's not disturbance, it's oh, deliverance. There we go. Boom! Oh, deliverance. No, deliverance. I haven't seen. Yeah, that yeah. one that we don't really, that we don't talk about because it's fucking weird, <laughs> you know, like the whole concept of just like locals and like even there, um, there are theories within the Blair Witch that, you know, the locals were in on, you know, Heather, um, Josh, and Mike, and how they kind of set up this whole Blair Witch thing for them. And then also the theory of, you know, it was Mike and Josh trying to like lure Heather into like this whole world. of the Blair Witch just a killer? Which I think is kind of far fetched, but if it is true or if it was true in that universe, that's some damn good research that they did
0: <laughs> to lure three randoms in.
1: Right? Like, I even noticed- the scene where. where- no, 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 go ahead.
0: I was just saying this, there's so many theories about the ending of this film. So, like, that Josh was the yeah. murderer, that Mike and Josh paired up, mm-hmm. that Heather had lured them there to kill them and she only filmed the bits that she wanted people to see and that there is a Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, all these different theories mm-hmm. for the end of the film. And I was like, I love when something is so ambiguous that people will set up all these different theories for it. And so I, I just, like, em- I know a lot of people don't like things being that ambiguous, but I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll eat that shit up. I'll be like, yes. I'll take it. Keep it that way. Right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Definitely. Mm.
0: I'm going to watch all the found footage this weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, same. I'm kind of, i kind of intrigued now.
0: Yeah. So there's the den. That's really good. What else have we got? Hell House LLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the paranormal activity, except mm-hmm. the one where they have the cult and they're all out in the front yard. That bit really weirded me out.
1: <laughs> My favorite one in, in, for comedic reasons is the marked ones. Is that that the one's cult funny. One? I, is that the cult one?
0: Where like, you know how they're all out in the front that was yard? Three. That is, yeah, that is three. Okay, maybe I haven't seen the marked ones.
1: Yeah, I um, would so that's three. Yeah, yeah,
0: That's yeah. It. I was like, "What the fuck is happening? What?" I liked it. <laughs> I mean, I liked it, but I'm just like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Again, not
1: for obvious reasons, but more for comedic reasons, it was yeah. very funny to me. Oh yeah, it I was think very funny.
0: At the time, I hadn't watched a lot of fan footage, so I wasn't that familiar with the technique and how they edit and. What it means and blah blah blah, and I think the first paranormal activity mm-hmm. came out probably when I was like eighteen or nineteen, and so I didn't really understand at all. I didn't get it. it was now just, I, like I was in middle school. school. Yeah. Oh my god, my neighbors are screaming. Not the adults, the kids. Um. That was a
1: perfect time to scream, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a
1: perfect scream.
0: They always <laughs> this is a horror podcast. Perfect. Yeah. Their front yard is like, uh, has like a play area in it. So they're always in the front yard. And I'm just like, what are you mm-hmm. guys doing over there? Like little weird peep and Tom that I am. Um, <laughs> so that is the Blair Witch Project. Um, my question awesome. for you is, what is the last horror movie that you watched?
1: Ginger Snaps.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I love that movie. What did, have you Had you seen it before? I
1: watched Ginger Snaps like two, three days ago. Yeah, I had um, seen it before. And then I watched it again. And yeah, Ginger Snaps. Because I was um, I was doing Ginger Snaps and American World in London for another show. Nice. And I was like, let me just go ahead and just revisit it. And man, that movie's great. I Like I, I said, when I was, was on the show, I wish I'd seen Ginger Snaps when I was in middle school. And when I was in early high school, because I would have definitely appreciated it more. You know, I, I think I watched Ginger Snaps for the first time when I was in college, so, you know, whatever. But when I was in middle school and high school, dude, I would have, oh, I I am them, they are me. Like, I love them. I yeah. love Ginger and Ginger, two badass sisters. And I feel was great. Definitely would yeah. be a very unique turn on just, like adolescence and puberty and you know just life and the changes you go through it's a great film so that was the last movie um the last horror movie that I watched
0: yeah that's a uterus horror film
1: like I was discussing
0: with you about um like uh Barbara Creed's seven archetypes of monstrous feminine and I think she does revisit Ginger Snaps in her work so I think she does discuss it I'm pretty sure
1: I'm definitely putting that in now, yeah, so simply I simply talks that. about
0: Carrie. I know that. Um,
1: okay. Okay. Yeah, I see here. Okay.
0: Yeah. University of watched- Melbourne. Yeah.
1: Okay. Got it.
0: I um I watched Karen Kusama's The Invitation finally this week because I've been meaning to watch it forever. Really? How was that? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. It was um creepy from the start. Have you seen it? No, I have not. Oh, it's just um, anxiety-inducing the entire way through. It's just the sound design and how they film everything. Like, uh, Kasama Mm -hmm. is just an incredible director and writer, and she just really knows how to put you in a certain state of mind when you're watching her films. And that just really, Mm -hmm. from the get-go, I was like, oh, I'm so tense right now. This is nuts. I was just like, something happened, just so I don't feel this way anymore.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I was just like, someone just. Call I, someone. I definitely
1: need to check that out. But I've been, I've been meaning to check out the den for a while, and I need to just go ahead and get into that one for sure.
0: Yeah, it's good. I actually recorded an episode with the horror quiz for that. Okay. Because, um, yeah, that's what they chose to watch, and I was like, all right, I'll watch whatever you want to watch. Let's right. Do it.
1: I'm glad I didn't pick, like, a Serbian film or something like that. Like, I
0: want to talk about Uh, a Serbian film.
1: Like, hell no.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't know how to if I could watch it. I've watched it once, and that was enough for me.
1: No. One of my favorite musicians, um, he had a special on YouTube where he was talking about some of his favorite films, and he's a big horror fan, too, but he's like, I love a Serbian film. I'm like, you love a Ser... What? Who are you? Weird...
0: What do you mean, love? What do you mean, love? love? You love it? And I'm just
1: like, my eyebrows are crazy. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. You, you think you know a guy, right? Because of his music.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I, that's just one film I wouldn't have I love in the same sentence. In front of it, yeah. Yeah. No. No, no thanks. Yeah, no. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me for this amazing episode talking about The Blair Witch Project, which I haven't watched in 15 years. <laughs>
1: I'm glad I can resurface all those emotions for you.
0: It was actually like a, was I really that scared of this film at 15? And then I realized why, because of the marketing campaign behind it. it. Absolutely. Um, uh, But yeah, no, it was great to revisit it. I like, I like watching stuff I haven't seen in a while. It it feels Mm -hmm. nice. And I definitely watch it differently now to what I did, you know, the first time I watched it, obviously. Of course. Great. Well, um, where can listeners find you, your podcast, your website? Um, and what are you, what have you got planned in the near future?
1: Well, right now, um, I'm working on a new se- um, series of content creature features where pretty much, like I said, um, highlighting BIPOC, queer, disabled, um, co- horror content creators on the site, Um, I have a ton of great interviews that I've been conducting and just getting those transcribed and put on the site as soon as possible. If you want to find me on Instagram, you can go to KF Horror Group. Um, If you want to specifically find the podcast, Monstrosity's Voice, you can go to MVHU Podcast. If you want to go and have everything in just one nutshell, you can go to www.kf.com kyfxhard.com. And then if you want to see me or hear me talk shit on Twitter, you can follow my personal page at <laughs> KF underscore SFX. Um and yeah, it's just me talking shit on Twitter all day. So
0: oh, sorry. I love it. <laughs> okay.
1: well, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Oh, thank
0: you. I've had a great time. Awesome. Um please go and support Kai in all the places mentioned. Uh Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to help support the podcast, please leave a late rating and review. To catch all the latest on me, I am on Twitter at catstead underscore original catstead without the underscore. I'm still coming for you and that Twitter username for all this podcast related content. <laughs> Follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at TGF Pod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday.